Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hi everyone, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Caitlin Menza. And I'm Lisa Ryan. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group Royally Obsessed. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. You can also send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. This week, while I'm alive. We are so happy to have you back, Caitlin. I cannot carry the show on my own. To be fair, I can hear already myself. I'm still not at my best, but I'm here. Um, So wait, hold on. How is your new ASMR podcast? It's not going so well. It's just, it's it's in baby stages. Um, No, I, you know, thank you for the kind wishes and the tweets to take care of my health. I did my best. I've never had this situation professionally or semi-professionally before where I just cannot do it. You know, like you can drag yourself to work. You can answer some emails when you're sick, but you can't record a podcast when you have literally no voice. I was really impressed by how bad your voice was. I really just thought it wasn't great. It was really bad. bad. It was seven days ago and I'm still not completely there so well i hope people are ready for a really enjoyable listening (laughs) experience just just a a slight touch of fry but thank you for hanging in there with me and i'm so glad to be back when i am because oh my goodness wow do we have a lot to talk about what an amazing week yeah so we of course are going to get into all things british vogue so exciting um again we thought august would be boring and i'm so glad that we were wrong Um, we were blessed by the content gods oh god i just i love september issues and i love this one and i don't even have it in my hands yet so everything related to the british vogue september issue um we have some tiny little cambridge updates we have what is purportedly an update on the crown season three we'll see it we'll believe it when we see it i will believe it when i'm in my bed with my laptop but until then whatever we'll cover it that's fine um but mostly just all things british vogue of course Mm -hmm. thank you megan what a gift thank you thank you thank you and edward yes um this week's uh royal refreshment is a very exciting one and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail We got a great delivery from the folks at Moet Chandon and Hendrix Gin. So they gave us so much stuff that we're going to have cocktails, I think, for like a couple of weeks to come. Sorry, you sound like you're bragging. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just so excited about it because today we're having um, the Chandon Rosé. It's a sparkling rosé. And we put grapefruit in it. So it's a little grapefruit spritz. And it's these small rosés. And Caitlin was like, oh, this is great for drinking on the subway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are other purposes, picnics, whatever. It's just, it's a, first of all, like a really beautiful little bottle. Um, I love a mini anything. It looks uh-huh. like a slightly bigger than an airplane bottle, but there's flowers all over it. It's really pretty. And there's flowers on the cap, which I like as well. This is just such a pleasant thing to come to the studio. It's so much better, I have to say, when someone... It gives us all the ingredients so we know exactly what to do. Yes. I'm not saying everybody has to do that for us. Well, we did have nice. to add the grapefruit juice from the yeah, fridge. Which we stole. 
we stole it from the fridge. Wow. Well, we, we do our best. We don't say we're great people. <laughs> I never pretend to be anyone other than who I am. Um, and then we have, so thank you to the Shandon and Hendrix folks. The Hendrix will be drunk next week. Thank you um, so much. I can't wait. <laughs> and I'll try not to chug it all yes. beforehand. And we have a listener email from Jenny, subject line, a reason to write. Um, would you As like if to, you need any. <laughs> would you like to take this one? Sure. She writes, Dear Dame Caitlin and Lady Lisa. Love that. Oh, wait. I think a dame is above a lady. Oh, sorry. I mean, I don't know, though. Sorry. I, I could be wrong, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I've been listening to the pod since this past January at the insistence of my sister, and I absolutely love it. Thank you, sister. I can't express how much I enjoy my weekly catch-up with you ladies. I've been wanting to write to you ladies for a while, but wasn't really sure what to say. That is, until this past weekend when the ultimate reason was revealed to me. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I had a party at my house and was talking with one of my aunts. <laughs> I'm going to cough. I'm gonna have to cough sometimes. <laughs> I'm still quite ill, okay? Okay, I'm going to continue with this. <laughs> Please, you can cough if you have to. I, I, we all forgive you. I leaned away from the microphone at least. I can't wait for some reviews about your coughing. I do. I'm doing my best. A five-star review. <laughs> um, uh, Jenny writes. I had a party. Yes. Uh, I had a party at my house and was talking with one of my aunts. She is a fellow Anglophile and royalist. We had been talking about a Marilyn Monroe print she decided to bequeath me in her will. Fancy. Nice. And then just plainly mentioned that we are distantly related to Marilyn herself. Excuse me? At this statement, I was astounded and excited. Me too. This aunt is very interested in our family genealogy and can trace our family back to multiple people on the Mayflower, as well as being distantly related to some American royalty. George Clooney. I mean, that's royalty here. It is. It is. Uh, When she saw my reaction to being related to Marilyn Monroe, her response was, oh, I thought I had told you that already. Then she calmly added, we're also related to Princess Diana. What? Upon hearing this, I shrieked with joy and promptly yelled across the yard to my sister and declared that we finally had a reason to write (laughs) into Royally Obsessed. According to my aunt, our family is 11th cousins with the Spencers, which means pretty much nothing, but I will enjoy sharing that fun fact with anyone who wants to hear it for the rest of my life. Thank you, ladies, and God save the pod. Your new Royally adjacent best friends in Roros for Life, Jenny and her sister Liz. Wow. Should I get into genealogy? I mean, 11th cousins with the Spencers. I did Ancestry.com, and it took me on a whirlwind. I mean, I'm also—I know it freaks some people out to have, like, their genetic information out there, but if it helps also, like, find a killer, like, I know it has. I listen to podcasts about that. I'm open to that as well. But if I could find out that I was—so somehow Jenny and Liz are related to Marilyn Monroe, George Clooney, and Diana Spencer. I believe it. I want to see it for myself, not just for Jenny and Liz. It's like I don't want to, I don't need to see their lineage. I want to see my lineage. All I really saw on my ancestry is I'm related to a lot of Ryans. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It there does. aren't a ton of Menzas TBH, so it might I might find some interesting information. Hmm. I mean it's free, right? You can just like plug your stuff in. Oh no, I did my DNA. Oh, that's okay. not free. Okay. Well, I'm into it. Yeah, maybe me and Meghan Markle have some sort of connection. Or maybe you help find a murderer you're related to. Those are both, like, upsides to me, (laughs) so I'm I'm into it. Um, But speaking of the birth of Meghan Markle, This Week in Royal History. And now, This Week in Royal History. 
Was that a good transition? Really good. She, I looked over, like Lisa was just so proud of me. I could see it in her eyes. Um, she's so happy to have me back. So I am. I really <laughs> missed you. Although, thank you, Allie, for filming. Oh my God, in. thank you so much to Allie. I'm really sad I missed her, and we're going to have to get drinks soon because I just really adore Allie and also her career, and I want to network with her. I really want that. I know. She's a good person to network with. <laughs> but uh, so this week in real history is the birth of Meghan Markle, who you might know as the Duchess of Sussex. Um, her birthday is August 4th, 1981. And so she's turning 38 this week. And may I just say, Barack Obama's birthday is August 4th, 1961. So he and uh, Meghan were born exactly 20 years apart. I had no idea. It's really crazy, right? And then I was looking up, I felt like there were other August 4th birthdays um, and the Queen Mum is also August 4th. Ooh, interesting. I know. It's really, I mean, first of all, all celebrities are Leos. So, like, that's not super surprising. They are. Tons. Every, like, so I follow, of course, a lot of, like, astrological meme accounts on Instagram now <laughs> because I am a millennial. And they had to, they'll always, like, showcase the celebrities every time a new season dawns. And there's so many celebrity Leos that it was hard to fit them all. I mean, J-Lo and A-Rod, for example, Oh, yeah, they both had their birthday cakes, but yes. hers was better. Hers, of course, she was turning 50, was much better. But also, like, you know, your Kylie Jenner's, just, like, every – it just it's – a, it's a sign of, like, of celebrity, of attention. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, so we – anyway, that brings us to Megan. Um, remember last year on her birthday, she was at a wedding. So this year she doesn't oh, have yes. to go to a wedding, presumably. So I'm happy for her already. Yes, and we can only hope that she's having a really lovely birthday with Archie and Harry. Yeah, um, and hopefully relaxing again uh, during her maternity leave. I'm sure she'll have her British Vogue in her hands because it's coming out on August second. Yes, yes. So okay, let's. I don't have a ton to say about her birthday itself because unfortunately I don't know how she's celebrating. I hope with also grapefruit sparkling rosé cocktails. I highly recommend it. It's very good. Yeah, really summery. Um, but so we could just get right into the British Vogue thing. We'll use her birthday as a transition. Thank you. Happy birthday to Megan and happy birthday to me because now you've given me this gift of the British Vogue. Yes. Now, before we even get started, of course, we had heard rumors of something, some involvement with Vogue for a while. Right? Yeah. And remember when Anna Wintour kept speaking out about how amazing Megan mm -hmm. is? You know, like there are little breadcrumbs to follow. And then I believe it was like last month the tabloids were like, oh, she's doing something with British Vogue. Yeah. And then here we oh my go. God. Here it is. And I just feel like we're peeling an onion because every day, like, brings new material. And I don't have the issue in my hands yet. So there's still stuff that I haven't been able to see or, I like, would, peruse. I was just thinking on the subway over here, I have not been this excited to buy a print edition of a magazine, which is bad because I was working at a magazine, but <laughs> I, I would get New York Magazine for free every yes. week in the office. So it's not like I didn't read print. But I haven't been this excited since the Vanity Fair cover with Megan. Oh, yeah. That was a really good one. Yeah. So this is like the same thing where I'm like, OK, I got to rush to like, go buy it. It'll probably someplace. be $12 at Barnes & Noble because it's British, but worth it. It's a collector's it. item. So the news broke uh, Sunday night, right? Um, and we learned that she guest edited the September issue. She's the first guest editor of a September issue in the magazine's 103-year history. Um, wow. It Yeah, it was founded in 1916. In 2016, Kate Middleton was on the cover for the 100th anniversary. So again, we'll get into this a little bit, I'm sure, but they're, the connection with the British royal family and British Vogue is quite strong. Um, also, uh, Eugenie and Beatrice were on 
were in the September issue last year. So, like, very classic relationship. And Beyonce was on the September issue of American Vogue last year. I mean, it's just... Royalty everywhere. Royalty everywhere. It's the best. Um, So what we know so far, we've seen, is that in her editor's letter, Megan mentioned that she's been working on this with Edward Enifal, who is the editor-in-chief of British Vogue, since January. Yes, and so she writes in her introductory letter... It was in early January, on a cold and blustery London day, that I sat down for a cup of tea with British Vogue's editor-in-chief, Edward Eninful. Though we have several mutual friends, our first encounter had been years in the making, the impetus for which was my asking him to support an organization I strongly believe in called SmartWorks. It's amazing. I feel like she writes like she speaks, and she speaks very, like— flowy and beautifully it's like painting yeah it's um i just love it again i just want to i here's what i haven't seen yet though i read that she at some point refers to something about a mermaid does does that make any sense to you have you heard about this she refers to something about mermaids in the editor's letter give me this issue i'm already getting ahead of myself we have the editor's letter in front of us does it mention mermaids hold on oh here we go okay i found it Let's see. So she said, this is actually hilarious now that we've found the letter. She sends him a text being like, let's meet. Um, The ellipsis, the dot, dot, dot that inspires the greatest practice of patience in this digital era. And then it appeared, EE's reply, yes, I would love for you to be my guest editor. Sitting on my sofa at home, two dogs nestled across from me. Two. Two. I quietly celebrated when the words appeared on my screen. Within a week, Edward and I were having regular meetings discussing goals, ideas, who we would feature on the cover, all while I was undergoing a crash course in editorial lingo. The well, meaning the inner crux of the book, and the acronyms aplenty, FOB, which I took a stab at being front of book. Now, of course, I love this. Lisa and I are, you know— we in the magazine industry tangentially at different stages of our careers. So we understand the well and the FOB, and I still do talk like that. So I'm just like, wow, I was ahead of Meghan Markle on something. <laughs> when it comes to knowledge, I can feel really special about that. I also really like that she also has anxiety when there's someone the typing. Because when someone types and it takes a while, I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. I'm going to die. Or that she can feel anything like anxiety with people wanting to work with her in this day and age. That, like, blows my mind. Anyway, she goes on to say, there were facets I felt were of prime importance to include within the issue, elements that would hopefully set the tone. Knowing this issue hit stands in August, just as readers gear up for the September shows, fashion shows where judgment can become clouded and focus skewed toward the superficial. Um, I had read a book many moons ago, which had a quote that has always resonated with me. I must be a mermaid, Rango. I have no fear of depths and a great fear of shallow living. For this issue, I imagined, why would we swim in the shallow end of the pool when we could go to the deep end? A metaphor for life as well as for this issue. Let's be braver. Let's go a bit deeper. I knew there were mermaids. (laughs) I knew there were something about mermaids. It's amazing. And also when she texted him, it wasn't let's meet. It was after they had already met. And she was like, maybe instead of me being on the cover, can I guest edit? So I wrote about this for The Cut. Um, there was some surprise or maybe disappointment or I don't know what that Megan wasn't on the cover. Of course, we now know that the cover is the theme is Forces for Change. And the cover shows 15 women that Megan and Edward sort of chose together to represent their um, these forces for change. They're activists, they're actresses, actresses, they're politicians. Models. Models, like all people who are trying to influence the world in a positive way. And a mirror to represent you. Yes. Amid the grid, there is like a, I haven't, again, haven't seen it, so I don't know how shiny it is. I hope I can see my face in it. But um, a, a little, you get to be a part of the grid, whoever is beholding the issue. Um, what you don't see is Megan's face. And so 
Edward in his in a post on the site said that Megan didn't want to be, quote, boastful and put herself on the cover because then she'd be calling herself a force for change and it would sort of remove some of the attention from the other women. I thought the choice of the word boastful was like kind of unfortunate because it's such a eye grabbing word that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, she didn't want to be boastful or just like not a word you would use in common conversation or an American person wouldn't use in common conversation. So I think it like stood out in an unfortunate way. But I think it makes a lot of sense. The issue is not about Megan. Like her name is on the cover, but her face is not on the cover. And it's true. If she if she was editing and then she put herself on the cover, that's the sort of headline she would be getting. They'd be like, oh, of course, Megan put herself on the cover. Yeah. But instead, she didn't want that. She wanted the attention to be on the women, on the causes, on the important issues that she's wanting to highlight. And so she didn't want to take away all the attention, even though, of course, it is still her. It's like her manifesto. It's all the stuff that's important to her. It's people working to, you know, make the world a better place, help women, help the environment, help each other, help people's perceptions on body image, help people's perceptions on disability. Like these things are so important to her. So she'd rather highlight those than herself. Yeah. So I see where she's coming from. And I think it's great. But it is weird. Like, so many places picked up the boastful yeah. headline. It just took, it was an odd word choice, but I, it's fine. Um, you know, I would have loved, a, and I'm sure we'll get plenty in the future, a glam Meghan Markle photo shoot. So, well, that Vanity Fair one was I know, so it was amazing. Really good. So it was really nice that um, the photographer used for these shoots was the same photographer who took her Vanity Fair portraits. Because I remember, I'm not sure if it was in the Vanity Fair article itself or if it was in subsequent articles but she really liked that Vanity Fair had her freckles yes because she said that you know throughout her career people had photoshopped her freckles out Mm -hmm. and so this time around there have been various reports that she told the photographer I want to see freckles and you do you see like real people and it's really beautiful and a lot of texture the photographer is Peter Lindbergh who's like one of the most famous fashion photographers of all time um just what a thrill to be able to work with him on this and I do like that what we've seen of Megan visually in connection with this issue so far has been one the photo that they sort of released in the announcement in the tweet um which is her like you only see part of her face. She's like almost behind a clothing rack, right? Yeah. So it looks like she's like fashion intern. Like she's sort of bending down. Like she's like between trench coats, right? And then the other image we've seen is her standing what looks like behind a, a monitor during a photo shoot with Edward. And she that's where she's wearing the black version of the Everlane jumpsuit. Um, which should we talk about the Everlane jumpsuit here? Yes. So <laughs> a few weeks ago when we were talking about jumpsuits at the Royal Ascot, I mentioned the fact that for the cut, um, which I, where I no longer work and where mm-hmm. Caitlin is now writing about royals, yes. um, I was lucky enough to try the Everlane jumpsuit and it looked horrible on me. <laughs> it's not the worst thing I've ever worn, but it also – it's like every part of my body that I'm insecure about. Yeah. It just like – illuminated and made me feel like "Hmm, I don't want to wear this and also the legs got they were very like flowy and they got very staticky so they started clinging (laughs) to me but they're wide legs so it was very weird so it was just a horrible look on me yeah but then in the images of course she looks amazing because I think she's Megan she's Megan she's so stunning and yeah 
And it's no, like it's just so funny. I, I completely did not recognize it until fashion sites picked it up. And they're like, oh, that's the Megan's Mirror picked suit. it up. Megan's yes. Mirror, they did a really amazing job. They ID'd her Gucci dress that yes. she wore in one of the images. Then they ID'd the Everlane dress. And then everyone picked it up after that. And for what it's worth, I Everlane mean, is, yeah, is one of her more affordable things that she's, you know, worn publicly. It's like $120. So, And I'm sure the jumpsuit would look good on a lot of people. I did not feel confident in it. No. But I'm sure it would look good in others. Like my colleagues that wore it. They looked great. I yeah, just, it's just it's a it's a really specific item. I mean, mo- I think a lot of jumpsuits are, especially the kind that have hip pleats. It's just it's tough. It's tough stuff. It's tough. But she looked great. Um, but I liked that. Yeah, in the images that they released, she's like distinctly behind the scenes. She just looks like another editor, which is just like such a such a pleasure to see. Um, and it's also interesting in her letter she wrote about how she was five months pregnant when she started this process, and she's like, and when this is this comes out, and I have the magazine in my hand. My baby boy will be three months old. It's so similar to my life because having written for magazines, <laughs> I work on something like I kill myself working on it and then it just goes off and I don't see it for three months. And then it appears and I'm like, I don't even remember that. That was great. Look how it's so much nicer on the other side when you just like go to a newsstand and you're like, look what I did. Wow, I did something. It just goes away for months at a time. But yeah, she wrote about how she knew that her baby would have arrived by the time this issue came out. And now, like, here it is. Um, So I hope that she's enjoying reading it with, again, her feet up with, like, Archie in the crook of her arm. Um, Let's talk about also the Michelle Obama interview. That was amazing. Um, Yes. So remember months ago, there were all these reports that uh, Megan also addresses it. But, like, Megan went to see Michelle when she was in town for her book tour. Yes. And so there were reports that they had like a power meeting, which yes. at the time I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I love <laughs> right, it. Right. But maybe it was about this. So they did the interview. It sounds like maybe it was an email interview yes. because Megan was like, I wish that I had sent more questions. I didn't know she was going to be so generous and so open. Yeah. It's actually hilarious to me how honest that was. Um, not that Megan isn't always honest. It just, you know, of course, like she's writing for a magazine. It's all very polite. But she basically says that this was, you know, this is when you hear about Megan interviewing Michelle Obama, you assume it's going to be like the heart of the issue, but it's actually just like a back page, like not filler, but like in a lot of magazines, women's magazines, that's like the astrology page. So like it's just a back page interview. It's like pretty quick. And so she asked Michelle to do it and she just did it over email. And then Megan in her intro basically says like, I really should have come up with better questions because I'm dealing with Michelle Obama here and she treated them so beautifully that I kind of wish I had gone deeper. And I just love that they ran that. Like they run yeah. her like true honesty where she's like um like michelle is so amazing and i should have been better about this you know but of course the interview is amazing and like it's really sweet and i love that one of the questions is what's your favorite sound and she talks about how when sasha and malia were babies that uh michelle and brock would just listen to the babies cooing in their sleep and that that's her favorite sound that's so charming and then she also talked about in motherhood learning to let go. Yes. And just accepting that like bruises are part of the process. And it was it was really, really sweet. And you can tell that she has a great affection for Megan. And I, I think that was just such a phenomenal interview, even though it's an email interview. But if Megan hadn't said that it was, you know, she sent the questions, you wouldn't have known that because Michelle's answers were so open and yeah. honest and loving and generous. Yeah. It's just so I love the logistics of like what email addresses are they using? You know, like I'm sure they're very official ones, but I just imagine like mmarkle81 at Gmail. I don't know. I hope that person (laughs) really exists. I'll try emailing them tonight. But like, you know, I just 
Like, I love the detail of her texting with Edward and being like, shall I do this? And I just, I don't know, seeing, imagining them as real people who have real inboxes where they're doing work just blows my mind. Um, but that was very sweet. And then we also have, of course, um, Prince Harry took part in the issue as well. He interviewed Jane Goodall. And it seems like it was sort of framed as it was at the behest of Megan. Megan was like, hey, here's your part. You're going to interview Jane Goodall because I love her. So, of course, we saw them at the event together last week. But now it, their relationship goes even deeper because they had a beautiful conversation that looks like it is a bigger feature in the magazine. Um, two items sort of stand out from that interview that I've seen so far. One is that Harry spoke at length about the unconscious bias of racial discrimination and how some people don't think they're racists, but they are and they behave in a racist way, which like, you know, first of all, couldn't be more relevant to things that are happening in the United States, let's just say. But also, it's just amazing always to hear Harry speak that way. And also, everything Megan's endured. Yeah. And like all the coverage that she's had to deal with and the racism, whether it's, you know, blatant or unconscious. Yeah. That is also huge. So what he said, and I think this is just so remarkable to actually have him say this on the record. He said um, about unconscious bias, something which so many people don't understand why they feel the way they do, despite the fact that if you go up to someone and say, what you've just said or the way you've behaved is racist, they'll turn around and say, I'm not a racist. I'm not, and then he goes, I'm not saying that you're a racist. I'm saying that your unconscious bias is proving that because of the way you've been brought up, the environment you've been brought up in suggests that you have this point of view, unconscious point of view, where naturally you will look at someone in a different way. Pretty amazing stuff. That's really amazing. Yeah. And then another thing that stands out to you. Yeah, I was going to say that, of course, was like a provocative. Not maybe it shouldn't be provocative for him to say that. But that was one thing that got picked up, I should say. The other thing was that he said he wants they want two kids minimum. Maximum. Or, sorry, excuse me, maximum. That's my my wish, my my <laughs> wishful heart thinking, uh, speaking. But he said two kids maximum, um, and he was framing it in terms of conservation and sustainability and the drain that more humans put on the planet. Um, now, that's their own personal family planning. Obviously, that's up to them. But, of course, that kind of thing is going to get picked up in a negative way because – his dad is one of four and his brother has three, you know. So I, I obviously would not consider that a dig by any means. It's just what they want to do. But but I, I really recommend that everyone find this interview online or if they go and buy the issue, read the interview in the issue. Because Jane Goodall is so incredible and what she has to say about the environment is so frightening and so true. So it, this interview was very, very important. And then – you know, talk about where how he was raised. The environment is so important to his father and conservation yes. is so important to his father. So he was fortunate enough to be raised in an environment where he knew what was happening. Yeah. And and was open to discussing it. And yeah. it's always been one of their causes for sure. Um, but yeah, I feel like, of course, that's going to get some, I don't, I don't know what I would call it, eye rolls, like British tab stuff. Um, but everything does, right? So there whatever. Been, there have been so many eye rolls, which I want to get into in a second. But I um, first wanted to talk about some of the statements um, Edward, the editor-in-chief, told them or said in a statement. To have the country's most influential beacon of change, guest edit British Vogue edit at this time has been an honor, a pleasure, and a wonderful surprise. And I thought that was pretty a amazing. beacon of change. Most influential beacon of change. Wow. And it's it's very true, but it's 
Like, imagine being labeled that. It is a lot of pressure. I don't disagree. Um, again, sometimes I just think about the fact that I wrote something recently where I was referring to Megan and how she's had a crazy 18 months. And I was like, 18 months, or it's about 20 months. It's been 20 months since her engagement was announced. Wow. Like, eight, you know, two years ago, she wasn't this famous. And now she's, I would say, the most famous person on the planet. And yes, One of them. yeah, I think like everything she does, there's a ten, you know, attention being paid. It's just wild. So to to think you're the most influential beacon of change. Do you think I could be the least influential beacon of change? No, Caitlin, you just survived having a cold. <laughs> you are a beacon of hope. And I'm so happy a that you are around. beacon of change. I just like the degrees of beaconness. It's just fascinating to me. Um, but wow, what an issue. Again, it's out August 2nd. When do I get to have it? I don't know. Hopefully August 2nd. Will my face be reflected in the little silver square? I hope so. I hope so. Or just like copy and paste a picture of yourself in it. It's not the same. I know. Um, but I was, I don't know why I was surprised because I shouldn't expect the best of people, but... I just thought that this issue was so phenomenal, and there's been such a history of Royals guest editing. You know, Kate Middleton guest edited um, Huffington Post UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prince Harry, wasn't it like last year he was working on a BBC a BBC program? thing, yeah. Like, so many of them have been involved with this, and so many have been involved with British Vogue. So to see some reactions in the press of people being like, this isn't royal, it's not about fashion royalty, I'm like, what are you talking about? This falls completely in line with things that royals have done. And Megan used this as an opportunity to ad- do advocacy work. Yeah, it wasn't like she was sitting on a throne wearing couture in the pictures. There were no pictures. You know, like I just, you know, it's stuff like that where you just can't imagine that being framed on anybody else the way it was framed on Megan. Um, and it's the worst. But of course, there would be blowback. There's blowback on everything she does. It's just. I, I shouldn't have been surprised. It was really naive of me to be surprised. But, but I, just... I, I really appreciated I saw whenever those sort of like issues would bubble up, um, there was a tweet of Omid Scobies that I feel like everyone kept embedding in their posts where he would point out like, just a reminder, this is how Kate worked with British Vogue. This is how the York girls work with British Vogue. This is how Harry worked with BBC. Like just a reminder that this is absolutely completely standard for British royals to do. doesn't mean it's nothing. It's very special. Again, she's the first guest editor of a September issue. It's a big package. It's a big effort. She worked on it for, you know, eight months, but it's not out of the realm of the ordinary. He also called out a Daily Mail headline in another yes. post. So he's he's done a really phenomenal job yeah. of calling people out. Yeah. It's just you can't pretend that this is anything other than appropriate. And I think it's really special and like, ugh, people, stop. Um, so maybe in that vein, we can just do away with the neighbors conversation as well. Oh, so before ugh. the British Vogue you know, story, the issue break came along. We had the story towards the end of last week that the neighbors in Windsor near Frogmore Cottage were distributed a list of rules by the Sussexes, you know, things like don't pet our dog and don't speak to us directly. Um, This was like a perfect catnip to the British tabloids because it continued the narrative that these two want all the glamour but want all the privacy and that they can't have it all. That's sort of like the tension that I've been seeing in the British media. And so um, I kind of thought that they would just let that – first of all, I was like – Oh, it sounds like an unfortunate news story, but, like, not crazy. Like, please don't speak to the – like, let them have a normal life. Yeah, that seems perfectly logical. That sounds, like, but... about right. I mean, I we know that um, the Cambridges 
get to have a semi-normal life at Anmer Hall and that they're left alone at the grocery store. And so it, to me, it seemed like this was the Windsor version of that. Um, but they actually did release a statement. Um, the Sussexes released a statement or the or Buckingham Palace did saying that those rules or those requests didn't come from the Sussexes. They came from – it seemed to imply that it came from someone else on their team at a town meeting and the Sussexes weren't even there. Yeah, it was before they even moved there. Yeah. They're just – Everyone just always has to see everything in bad faith. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, I feel like they give us lots of their life. Of course, I want to see more. I always want to see more. Those dogs. Yeah, like, please, please tell us about the other dog. But, like, look <laughs> at this. We just got a September issue. That's a yeah. glimpse into their very values, like, the things that are so important to them. Yes. You know, we. she talked about chicken tacos. She talked about Michelle yeah. Obama. She talked about her child. So, it's not like they're a closed book. We know how many kids they want to have now. Yeah, like they <laughs> they share stuff. It's just not on the terms that certain people or certain entities, certain tabloids want. Yeah, but it, it, it seemed to suggest that they were bothered by that report because they did take the step of refuting it, um, which will leave another news story coming up in a moment that similarly like seemed to I'm, – I'm fascinated by when a story is so offensive to them or so inaccurate that they actually – it breaks the threshold of we have to speak out about this because if they wanted to, they could do that every hour. There's a different news story every hour that they could refute, but there are only some that they actually take the step to do so. And so this was one of them. So it seemed to really bother them. It really bothered me. Not that anyone's asking me, but <laughs> it really bothered me. And so I understand why they were annoyed by it. Um, again, like I, I would hope that some of that is – just politeness, like leave them alone when they're walking their dog on the street. Um, I don't know. Maybe those are my rose-colored Sussex framed glasses. But I did like some people uh, reframing it as goals. Like mm-hmm. Hunter Harris, she mm-hmm. wrote something like inspiring and then it went super viral. Super viral. But she, I mean, yeah, that's inspiring. And it's like Because well, the headline it was like page six being like the, the Sussexes tell their neighbors, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. She was, like, inspired. It's, like, it's obviously sarcasm, but that's mm-hmm. funny. You know, like, yeah. my goal is to be, like, so rich and famous. I could be, like, just don't talk to just me. Just don't talk to me. I don't love when people talk to me in my building. It's New York. Like, I don't speak to my neighbors. In fact, when I had no voice last week, I went out for pizza. It was one of the few times I went outside. And somebody in the – I'm holding the pizza box, and somebody tried to talk to me about what kind of pizza did you get. And I literally was, like, I can't talk. And they were, like, oh, are we not talking? And she, like – took attitude with me. I don't know what my neighbor looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was like, it's yet more eggplant pizza. Just can we not, like, I can't speak to you. I have no voice, you know? And so she was like, oh, we're not talking. I was like, we're not talking. So now I'm fighting with my neighbor. Wow. If she just ignored me, we wouldn't be in this situation. So it's I get New it. New York. No one talks to anyone. Don't, don't ever, talk to me in the elevator. Don't break that threshold. <laughs> exactly. So I kind of get it, um, though I would have to be restrained from petting their dogs. So I understand that as I, well. I asked to pet everyone's dogs. And then I also take pictures of people's dogs. And I'm like, is that okay? Right. It's like, like taking like, a picture that- of their baby's face. Like, that seems not all I feel right. like it's a little bit different. But <laughs> I'm also, like, I'll see a dog and I'm like, can I take a picture? Yeah. I can't help myself. I think it's nice to ask permission because they might be a mean dog. That's true. Um, and then the last piece of Sussex news. This is a very Sussex episode. but can't help it. I mean, the Cambridges are on vacation and this is British folks. So yeah. it's a very big week. Um, so our last piece of news um, also came from Obed, um, Omid Scobie. He said, because um, we haven't seen the British folk yet. He said that um, in the new British Vogue, Megan revealed that she 
has a new charity um, fashion collection that she's doing um, with some partners to benefit her royal patronage, SmartWorks, which is that really phenomenal charity that helps women get the attire that they need and the skills that they need to get a new job. Yeah. And so the collection launches later this year and will sell on a one-for-one basis, sort of like I always think of Tom's shoes with this. But for every item purchased by a customer, one is donated to charity. Um, Megan apparently discusses this in the issue. Not only does this allow us to be a part of each other's story, it reminds us we are in it together. Um, So some of the partners include Marks & Spencer and Jigsaw, which are like, you know, major brands. Do you remember Kate was an accessory buyer? Accessories buyer for Jigsaw, Jigsaw. <laughs> long time ago. It just always strikes me as such a British sounding um, brand, which it is, of course. And also, Megan worked with Misha Nunu. No, 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 on this. Um, her fashion friend. So I just love, like, I love that they work together on this. I love that there's just so much material from this. Like, this is not just, oh, she worked on a package, she chose 15 women. There's so many angles to this. There's so many branches that this goes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, once again, is a reminder of the things that she cares about, and one of them is this SmartWorks patronage. So really cool stuff. I'm also really excited to see the clothes, and I wonder if they'll be available to us. I hope so. I hope so as well. Marks and Spencer. Hmm. We used to have them in Canada. Well, the internet means we can order from everywhere, right? That's true. Sort of. Maybe. Just like a lot of expensive shipping and handling. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> worth, worth it. Worth it. Um, so now um, the... Cambridge updates we have are quite small because they are on vacation. Mystique, Um, man. Just living their lives. I know. And as we've established, or I established last week when you were on your deathbed, um, Mystique is extremely fancy. We are not getting reports out of it because that's the whole point of Mystique. Yeah. One day I'll understand it myself. Goals. You probably will because you really travel everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't, Mystique, I was looking as like $90,000 a week. So (laughs) I don't see that happening for me. But um, yeah, so this is like such a, bizarre one and I was this is the one I was alluding to earlier but um, some Medi spa near Kensington Palace posted an Instagram of a before and after of Kate's face Kate Middleton's face and the caption was something gross like our Kate loves a little baby Botox and she does look like smoother in the second photo and it was implying not only that Kate Middleton gets Botox herself, but that she comes to this, that Medi Spa, right? And so this was one of the rare times that um, Buckingham Palace, again, like released a statement saying no. <laughs> Basically, no, she does not go there. And also the royal family cannot endorse a commercial product such as Botox. Yes, the family said it's categorically not true. Then in addition, the royal family never endorse commercial activity. And I think, like, okay, this story was just a gross ploy for attention from a Medi spa. Like, they obviously don't know what happens in Kate's life, and I'm not going to speculate about a woman's appearance because, ew. you know, yeah, you. But I just think that the only the only real interesting thing to take out of this, other than the fact that it's really gross that so many places picked this up and went with it, yeah. um, is the fact that they said, the royal family said that they don't endorse commercial activity. Yeah. Which is kind of like, oh, that's really interesting to think about because I don't think about something like Botox as a commercial activity. I think of right. it as just like a, you know, it's a medical or f- uh, superficial thing. But now it's like, oh, wait, yeah, that's actually like a brand. It's yeah. an activity. And that's also why you don't see them speaking out about 
a lot of things that they do or a lot of things yeah. that they love. They can't be. It would be like if she was in a commercial for Botox. That's basically what this was trying to do. Like come to our Medi Spa and then you can get Botox just like Kate Middleton does. Um, it was just it was gross. And you know what? Must just be said now. Who cares about Botox? Who cares if she's getting Botox? If my face were being scrutinized the way her face is being scrutinized all day, every day, good Lord, what would I be doing to it? I don't know. I considered getting Botox for TMJ. Yeah. It has so many purposes. Um, Should it into your armpits? We are not doing a Botox commercial. So (laughs) No, but yeah, um, I know someone who's had it for migraines and it's really helped her. And it's just – it's really strange that this is something that got picked up and really gross and really invasive and it makes me – really uncomfortable it's just like a yet another reminder that like can you imagine again we are 32 year old women our faces are changing time marches on as i said in the facebook group when somebody there was some story about how harry's bald spot has doubled in a year and i was like breaking news time marches on like okay (laughs) so time marches on our faces as well and like it just is such a reminder that they are having so many photos taken of their face of every little wrinkle and like every pimple is being discussed. And like, I can't imagine the horror of like having the lines between my eyebrows examined by the press or by people like claiming to have injected things in my face. How horrible. Um, Let's make things a touch more chipper by going with the other Cambridge update we have, which is my favorite headline of the month, I would say. (laughs) I'm going to read it in its totality. From people. Prince George is, quote, a jolly little person and, in quote, inquisitive, un- unquote, says family friend. I really effed that up for how much I loved it. <laughs> Prince George is a jolly little person and inquisitive, says family friend. I mean. And then the full quote from the family friend. It didn't even <laughs> need to be broken up. It the didn't. full quote was, he's a jolly little person and inquisitive. So I don't know why they had to put quotes on two different words and not just it a whole phrase. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The friend adds, like many six-year-old boys, he is, quote, full of beans, using a <laughs> British expression that sums up his lively spirit. Full of beans! Somebody please leave us a review calling us full of beans. Also, that sounds like everyone in New York media because right now beans are super trendy. That's true. People are writing about them. People are loving beans. So <laughs> it's very spot on. I just, I mean, jolly little person. What a great description. It's actually, it is, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's a little kid. He's jolly. But I think it is funny in this context because often when we see Prince George um, in public these days, he's very grumpy because he's six. Mm-hmm. And so when he's at a public function and like has to be sort of dressed up, he just always looks like sort of bored or grumpy, which is why I love him. I love his facial expressions. But and that's why also the birthday portrait was so lovely because he looked so happy and just like carefree. And it was nice to see him that way. And you imagine that that's how his family sees him on the day to day. Um But yes, I love this report that he's a jolly little person. We also got, again, they're off on Mystique, but we got a tiny update. I saw this in Vanity Fair um, that he had a birthday party um, before they left at Kensington Palace. And they invited his entire class to the grounds of Kensington Palace and that it was a soccer-themed birthday. Wow, spot on for a soccer shirt. Yeah, it's a whole, listen, we're all obsessed with the U.S. women's football team. I just I'm guessing that he's a he's a fan of Megan Rapinoe. I hope so. Um, but so that was just like very sweet. I like that uh, maybe they have to do this, not because they're royals, but because this is what you do at that age. You just invite the entire class so you don't create any issues or no hurt yeah, feelings. Yeah, it's so sad when someone doesn't get invited. Also, when you own a palace, you can just invite the whole class. That's true. Invite all 36-year-olds. Like, it's fine. You have the space. So our last thing to go through, because 
we're running out of time. Um, the Crown season three. Allegedly, it's happening. <laughs> Do I believe it? I don't know. So we have a great report from our friends at Town & Country. They write, in a letter to investors, Netflix revealed that the show would premiere in the second half of 2019. So at we're some point after July. Second, we're in the second half. It could be tomorrow. We're in the second half. We're in Q3. Um, they wrote in the letter, we're looking forward to a strong slate of global content in the second half of the year, including new seasons of some of our biggest series. This is how desperate we are for updates on The Crown. We're like looking through their Like corporate filing. com investor relations information. So like on some level, it, yes, it had to be the second half of this year. So this is like... Uh, I mean, I'm happy to have it, but, like, what a lame update. Then Tobias Menzies, who, did we mispronounce his name? I mean, we are us, so. So probably. <laughs> we'll just call him Tobias. Mm-hmm. The actor Tobias, who's, pra- who's playing um, Prince Philip, said in an interview with Joe Good's BBC radio show, we shot season three and that starts in November. I mean, that feels right. As I've always said, I associate it with coming out right around Christmas. Um, I associate it with Christmas malaise and how I just lie in my bed um, between parties watching The Crown. So that's my vision for this Christmas as well, which is fine. Again, like I have so accepted my fate with this show that November is fine by me. Tomorrow would be better, but it is summer. I should be outside having grapefruit cocktails. So like Christmassy time, Thanksgiving is fine Mm -hmm. by me. And Town & Country has some other updates. They say that major moments in the show – or, or the series season, um, will include the space race and the moon landing. Fun. Very interesting. Um, the Queen's 1972 state visit to France in the 1976 Montreal Olympics and England's iconic victory in the 1966 World Cup. That's pretty specific. Yeah, and... We also, of course, like if we're talking about the early 70s, again, we know that they cast a Camilla, and so presumably we will see Charles Snogging. Camilla. Snogging. Which and I'm thrilled about. Oh, a major theme will be the demise of Princess Margaret's marriage. That sounds about right. That does sound right. Um, it was kind of demising in the second season. They met already. It was demising. <laughs> Pretty much immediately. <laughs> like, like, with that pregnancy. Like, yeah. yeah he, was, another woman was pregnant as he was walking down the aisle. So, like, so like it wasn't mm. great. And then um, it's also going to recreate Prince Charles's uh, 1969 investiture ceremony, which I think we saw because we saw pictures yes. of Olivia Coleman, who I am more obsessed with than ever because I just rewatched Fleabag the other day. You rewatched Fleabag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a month. I know. I mean, listen, I some I might get there as well. TV is really important to me. I understand. I had to switch my Amazon password back, but I'll give you the new one. <laughs> I can watch Fleabag all over again as well. We can just keep repeating this every two months. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am excited about it. Again, the fall is shaping up beautifully. I'm very happy for it to be summer. I'm very happy for it to be Megan's birthday week. But We've got so much coming up in the fall, and it really just warms my heart. The September issues are always sort of the beginning of that because it's like, look at some coats and oh capes gosh. and stuff. Yes. So it's all it's all happening, mm-hmm. to quote Almost Famous and Sheena Marie Shea's arm tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Sheena's a character from Vanderpump, or like a real She's person. She's a real person. But, but a character, too. Yes. Um, okay, so before we adjourn the royal pod, some highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Try to find one. Oh Good luck. Gosh. Wait, low? Yeah, try to find a low. Oh, malarkey. Duh. <laughs> there was so much effing malarkey, I can't deal with it. I don't know why people are so horrible. I mean, yeah. I understand that the world can be a difficult place. I work in media. I have to be hyper aware of everything that's happening. But, like, why do you have to find negativity in literally every single yeah. thing? It's so annoying. 
And why do you have to be so disgusting about women's appearances? Like, yeah. I, I can't deal with it. I'm yeah. so sick of those sorts of people that do that sort of stuff. Just like, You guys stop. can't see this, but you can imagine it, I'm sure, pretty easily. Lisa now has her hands up on either, like, either shoulder, and she's just curling her hands like two angry claws. Just <laughs> you to look make- like... To make you her look point. like you're from the Cats trailer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just curling her hands like an angry tiger. So that's what's happening here in the studio. Um, yeah, Milo would also be the reaction to... I. So I don't know why I did this, but I sought out the op-ed from the Daily Mail that Omid tweeted about um, where, that he called thinly veiled racist. It is. Um, I read it. Don't seek it out. That would be my advice to you guys. Like, if you know that there's negative press about Megan, that's only going to make you mad. Like, what, you know, sometimes you have to hate read something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me just find this op-ed saying that Megan shouldn't have edited the issue. Don't read it. It's really bad. It's really dumb and it's offensive and it's just like badly written and such a waste of time. It's not good for your soul. Like, don't read it. So that was my low. Um, how about your high? My high? Um, okay, my high is going to be Jamila Jamil talking about uh, her interview with Megan and how much this means to her. She's talked about, you know, um, how she's on the cover of the September issue and she's struggled with eating disorders and it's so crazy that she's on the cover not as a model who was having to have like mm-hmm. who had an eating disorder instead she's on the cover for fighting against that and I think that was pretty remarkable I love and that. I, I really really like her so I think that's amazing I do like Jamila Jamil um, I would say that my high was the Michelle Obama interview and because I just I love again the intricacies of that email exchange I just love the logistics of it and then also as people who have to do email interviews and you try to make them seem like they're not email interviews yeah it's very I like the honesty so now I can add a professional goal which is to email interview Michelle Obama I'll take it I would take an email interview I'd take a text interview however (laughs) she wants to give me information Um, my other high of course is jolly little person Probably a little person. <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy. So joyful. Um, you can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the Royals. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please don't make any review about my vocal fry. I'm doing the best that I can. I won't speak for two more days after this. <laughs> um, but here, I'm sure someone's already typing one up. I'm doing my best. Here is a real review from Cheerleader. 3610, subject, my favorite podcast. My favorite podcast. Would you read this one? I can't wait for Thursdays when this podcast comes out. It feels like these girls are my friends, IRL. Cheerleader 3610, we are. <laughs> we are. Thank you for writing. Um, you can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Uh, where can people follow you, Lisa? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Raya. You can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKMenz, H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can read my writing at CaitlinMenza.com. And until next week, um, we won't be at Balmoral. Unfortunately. But we'll have a Vogue Brit- British Vogue September issue in our hands. I freaking hope so. Until then, <laughs> save the pod. I don't have any fancy magazine stores near me anymore. They don't exist. They don't. I know. I'll find it though. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.